This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a volunteer-based community access station. For more information, go to www.radiokidnappers.org.nz. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this program available through funding the Access Internet Radio Project. You're tuned to Radio Kidnappers, the voice of Hawke's Bay. This is a program called Your Time to Shine. And as always, it's a pleasure to have in the studio Celine Harlow, who's the host of Your Time to Shine. How are you going, Celine? Doing really well. This is going to be fun. How are you? Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm all, all the better for seeing you. <laughs> there you go. And uh, you've been busy doing what? Working, Working changing people's people. lives, having fun, living. What's the best thing about... Uh, changing people's lives for you. So a client Well, it's comes, actually goes. quite a mistake that I just made. You can't really make people change. You have to show them how to make changes and then they do it themselves. That's you, the trick. You must, get, <laughs> you must get clients come back to you and say, you changed my life. That must make you feel good. Yeah, but I'd, I've always thought it was an untruth, really, that, well, I just you told you how to do it, it and yes. you did it. Yeah. So well done to you. That is great. Okay, today yeah. we're going to talk about the case for positive decision-making. Absolutely, and commitment, and commitment. to live a fulfilling life. That sounds like just what would happen to your normal life, isn't it? You wake up in the morning, that's what you do. It is actually. But, you know, when I start working with clients, I see that, you know, they, they come with me for the first session and they're all really excited. And yes, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to love, learn to love myself. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to quit that job and blah, blah, blah. And I see them for the second session and guess what? Nothing happened. Nothing happened. That's right. So what happens to that person? Well, I'm really a little sad. <laughs> <laughs> But the idea is that, you know, making a decision is easy, but sticking to it is another game. Yes, that's right. And it's a funny thing, isn't it? Because uh, in my relatively long life, <laughs> I have been to many uh, motivational speakers over the years, and some of them were just fantastic. And there's no doubt about it, and I guess the experience of your clients is the same, that when they come and see you or go and see a motivational speaker, when they come out, they are fizzing. That's right. But when they get back to the real world... They might be fizzing for a day or a couple of days or a week or even two weeks, but then the real world comes in and takes over again. Why does that happen? Why, why can't we keep the fizz fizzing? I was going to ask you the same question to see what your answer would be. But my, um, my theory would be that you get a high during one of those you know, sessions, one of those presentations, and you're like surrounded with a crowd of people who are ready to change mm-hmm. the world, who are ready to change their lives. You're high, and then you come back to your house, to your normal life, to your job, your family, your normal friends, and... You know you're not satisfied, but it's not that bad, really. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I tell you what put me off motivational speakers, and uh, and I, I still like reading the books because you do get something out of it. Uh, is that I once went to one where the guy said, um, "Tell us what your best day in your business was." And this is this is my I was in retail many many moons ago, and I think our best day had been thirty thousand dollars. Well and, done to you, by the way. Yeah, it was good, and. Uh, the guy said, there is no reason that you can't do that every day. Mm-hmm. And this was towards the end of the session, and I immediately went, Bzzz. Why? Because it's not possible to do those sort of figures every day. This, uh, this particular day that we did that $30,000 was the day before Christmas. So, I mean, realistically, what you have to do, of course, is uh, you know, take into account seasonal things. So, you know, no one's going to take $30,000 every day in the sort of business that I was in. So I immediately felt let down by the motivational speaker. So, you know, what he probably set for me was a, a goal too high, a goal too far. Mm, mm. What, do you, what would you say to that? 
Well, it is possible if you want it, if you want to make it happen. You really? Know, you could have changed your business or the way you do business, or you could have invested in, you know, you could have gone down another avenue mm -hmm. to do business. And, you know, that would have made it possible, even if it's not Christmas every day, although I would really like it to be Christmas every day. It'd be great. So, you know, if you make a decision and you really want it to happen, you just don't see any other alternative. There's just no other way you're going to make those $30,000. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. And therefore, you're going to do what it takes, whatever it takes. For you, well, you didn't really decide that that's what you wanted, and so it didn't happen. So it didn't happen, so it's my fault. <laughs> um, no, I don't think it's it's a fault. And I mean, there's no bad or good decisions. We make decisions all the time, and they just bring consequences. Okay. And so... Let's have a look at decisions. There are two mm. sorts of decisions, of course. There are good decisions and there are bad decisions. Let's deal with the bad decisions. <laughs> I just said that there were no good and bad decisions. <laughs> yes, there are. Of course there are. <laughs> Let's deal with the bad ones first. How do we get our head around bad decisions? Okay, so it depends on how you make your decision. For example, all right, you're in a new relationship and you're with this great guy. I'm a girl and I'm, I'm a little overweight. I'm not very happy with the way my body is and I want to lose weight. And so why am I really losing weight? Because I want this guy to like me. So I'm making a decision based on fear. So even if I manage to stay on the diet to continue exercising for half an hour every day, yeah. I'm probably not going to be likely to stay in that shape. I'm just going to be regain that, that weight really easily. Sure. Bad decision. But... You could turn that around and say, of course, well, if you're doing it for the guy, you're pretty shallow anyway, I suppose. <laughs> you should be doing it for yourself, shouldn't you? That's right. Yeah. And that's a better that's way a better, of that's making a, good decision. a decision. Yeah. yeah. So you're making a decision. A good decision is a decision that you make depending on what you want to happen. Mm -hmm. So you're not avoiding something. You know, you're not like this guy you know, doesn't like me because I'm a little overweight, which yeah. would be a shallow decision. You know, um, a shallow. What's the word I'm looking for? So you're saying a shallow reason not to be with me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm thinking too fast. <laughs> so might you suggest that we make bad decisions to please other people? We make decisions based on that all the time because we want to please people, because we want to cultivate a sense of calm and harmony in our relationships. I was reading also that there are conscious and unconscious decisions. <laughs> You've been on Google, haven't you? I know. You? <laughs> Look, I'm a whiz, aren't I? <laughs> well, that's why the releasing weight um, example is so great because, um, let's see, I'm overweight, you know, cancel, delete that mm -hmm. thought, but I'm overweight. And if I want to release weight, I'll find that as I lose one kilo, two kilos, five kilos, I'll find that a lot of uh, limiting beliefs are popping up and that's our subconscious belief. So we make a conscious decision to release weight, but our subconscious mind is telling us, well, actually, if you release that weight, you're going to be more visible to men. You know, it's a belief. And so you'll be more attractive and therefore you'll be in danger because you've been attractive in the past and you've been attacked, mm -hmm. you know. It's keeping you safe. The weight is keeping you safe. Therefore, there's no weight. There's no point for you to lose the weight. So, so you want to be unattractive? Is that what you're saying? If you want to be unattractive, you get it's a, bit a way of, of being no unseen. One. It's yeah. a, you know, it's it's your mind saying, "All right, there's a problem. I don't want to be seen by men. So, what do I do? I want to be unattractive. What's the best way to be unattractive in this world? In weight. Yeah. Okay. Now let's stay with conscious and unconscious decisions. And I suppose we probably make more unconscious decisions every day than we would make conscious ones, don't we? Yeah. Well, you know, they say that the conscious mind is 10% of the entire mind and it's mm -hmm. the tip of the iceberg and the, un the subconscious mind is the rest, the 90% of the mind. So we're not really aware of those 
decisions that we make on a subconscious level, but once sometimes they pop to the surface and that's when we can change them. How would you define a decision? What does decision mean to you? Well, we make it complicated, I think. And, you know, when, like, we talk about goal setting, goal setting and achievements and, you know, commitment and all that thing, but it doesn't need to be complicated. It's just a decision is, comes from a thought that leads to a decision that leads to an action and therefore a consequence. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Um, but when you get up in the morning and say, okay, going to brush my teeth. That's a decision. Yeah, it is. But it's an unconscious one, isn't it? Well, you don't. It's mean, an automatic decision, I think, yeah. that you made years and years and years ago because your parents, you know, told you that was yeah, it was you, a thing to do. But you don't decide to get dressed. You don't decide to make a cup of coffee. You don't decide to put the toast in the toaster, do you? Or, because well, it's I all think unconscious, you, I think it, it is a decision, but it's so ingrained in your, you know, this is what I do in the morning. Mm. Then you don't feel that as a decision, but you could choose to not make coffee and have a cup of tea instead. That would be that a decision, would be though, wouldn't it? A revolutionary decision. That would be a revolutionary. <laughs> Imagine not having five cups of coffee in the morning. Oh goodness! I can't believe it. Okay, so how do you fend off negative decision making? How do you get rid of it? Well, I think um, you have to find why making those negative decisions are serving you and how they're serving you. So, in the releasing weight example, you know, how is it keeping you safe to keep all that weight? It's a negative decision. You feel unattractive. You don't feel good about yourself, mm -hmm. and you think that you could be healthier, but it's a positive decision in the sense that it's keeping you safe. Sure. That's why I said there's no good or bad decision. Does that make sense? It does make sense. So if you're not afraid of, say, the attentions of men or women, then you wouldn't be overweight. That's what you're saying in that case there, isn't it? Well, in the example that we mentioned, the idea would be to release the trauma associated with the previous experience. Mm. How would you find that out? That there was a trauma. Well, you, in, in theta healing, which is a modality that I practice, yes, yes, we call it indeed. digging. So uh, we will say, oh, okay, so you want to release weight. Great. Um, imagine that time and money and we're no, we're, we're no problem right now. Mm -hmm. And that you could imagine that you had that perfect body now. How would you feel? And then they'll say, I feel great. I feel, I feel fit. I feel sexy. I feel healthy. And then they'll have that little voice, but you'll be unsafe. And so we go back, you know, it's like a house of cards mm -hmm. as one belief, you know, I'll feel, I'll feel fit and healthy, but this is not keeping you safe. And we go down one layer and one layer and one layer, and we keep digging until we find, oh, well, actually this is, this happened to you when you were a teenager. And that's what made you feel really unsafe about, you know, the way your body looked at the time. Do you find that it's a special sort of person that um, comes to see you? I mean, I think that someone who goes to see you is halfway to where they're going. The fact that they've even decided to come and see you is uh, you know, many steps in the right direction. And whereas someone who maybe has to come and see you, maybe they work for someone. And say, yeah, that never works. I don't like those yeah. sessions at all. <laughs> <laughs> because they're the people that fall off the man wagon, aren't they? Yeah, well, you know, I often have actually have teenagers coming because their mom had a session with me and really yeah. thought it would help their teenage daughter or, or son or whatever. And um, <laughs> it never really works. <laughs> Why, why doesn't that work, though? Because if someone else can see that it will be beneficial, just say, for instance, I said to you, look, I think, Celine, if you went to see this guy, your business would almost double. Whereas in your head, you're thinking, hmm, what does Ken think he's talking about? My business is fine. Mm -hmm. But then you go along because I've suggested it to you. You'd be going along thinking negatively, wouldn't you? Well, I prefer to work with highly motivated individuals. Well, it's yeah. Just it's I more rewarding do, for me. I'm just saying that let's pretend you weren't you. <laughs>
Well, you know, we could give it a go, but, you know, if you referred um, me to a friend or re- how, how do you say that in English? If you referred a friend to me, mm-hmm. is that the way yes. to say it? Yeah, cool. Well, you know, they would bring, they would come to the session and be like, you know, I don't really know. And she's, she's kind of into woo-woo stuff. And they yeah. would make all these excuses because they know what I could offer them. They know everything that I could give them and all those things could help them. But they're making excuses and she looks really young. Yeah, that's right. Yes, that is a problem. <laughs> it's because they think that you haven't got a life experience. Yeah, but they're making all these excuses. And it's not really about me. It's about them saying, oh, maybe I'm not ready. I'm, I feel quite safe in my comfort zone. So I'll just stay there for a while now. Yeah. It's fine. So the people that do come and see you, like I say... Um, They've decided they want to be better than what they have been. So your job's pretty simple, really, isn't it, with those people? It is. It really is. When someone has decided that they're going to change their lives, bam, it's going to happen for them, no matter how uncomfortable it may be. So if someone was a poor decision maker and you want to help them make the right decisions, talk us through the process. So I, I decide you're looking here. Yeah, I'm a bit of a sort of a procrastinator. I want to, I want to go somewhere in my life. I want to... Um, do this and I want to do that and I want to do the other, but I just haven't got to get up and go do that. Talk us through the process. I turn up on your door, knock on your door, you let me in, what happens then? It really depends on the individual. But um, I'm quite certain that they would have made that decision um, when something specific happened in their life. So, you know, I decided not to make any decisions and not to do anything with my life because I don't believe that I can because that's what my dad always told me. Mm-hmm. So they're actually really good at making decisions. They just forgot how to because they don't feel that they're worthy of having a fulfilling life. Is it that simple that someone it was told It is that you? simple. Really? And that's how the subconscious mind is keeping you from doing what it is that you really want to do because you completely forgot that your dad told you that you were uh, you know, good for nothing. But it's still playing, it's still playing in, your, in your mind. You see? So in your conscious mind, you're like, I want to change my job. I want to move to Europe. I want to, you know, um, spend my life on um, a yacht or whatever it is that you really want to do. But you're in your subconscious mind, you know, you're good for nothing. You're good for nothing. You're good for nothing. And therefore, that's what you are. Yeah. I grew up on a, um, a poor end of town. Can you hear the violins playing? And uh, <laughs> it was, I had great parents, I might add. But it would seem that... Um, when I grew up in the 50s and 60s, it was sort of, you know, hey, you're nearly, you're nearly 15. It's almost time to leave home, get a job, pay a bit of board. And uh, you seem to be encouraged to do that you know, all the way along, really, because working class families and mm-hmm. that type of thing. Whereas uh, I guess maybe in your home, um, you might have, someone might have said to you, wow, you know, Celine, which university are you going to? What degree will you get? That makes a big difference in people's lives, doesn't it? Decisions like that made four years of growing up. Well, actually, my dad had a similar background to yours, and mm-hmm. and he really suffered a lot from his education from the, from you know his childhood. And so, when he became an adult, when he became a dad, he made that decision that this would never happen to his children. So I wouldn't say that we were rich. And I actually was talking to my friend about my childhood a few days ago, and. I remember that we just had enough money. That was just just enough. There was just just enough mentality in my house. But my parents always gave me a choice. Celine, I completely believe in you. So I had this really positive environment to grow up in. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have a lot, but I knew that whatever I wanted to do, my parents would support me either way. Sure. So if you had said to your parents, I want to go to university, what would they have said? Yeah. I have three university degrees. They supported me through it all. <laughs> I wonder, though, that if you're, you're putting the onus back onto yourself there, I wonder if you, your parents had have said to you as you were growing up, 
hey, when you finish high school, when you finish university, this is what we want you to do. Yeah, I didn't have have that pressure. And I thought thought I was really lucky. Is that a pressure? Yeah. Well. Or is that encouraging you to make good decisions? Well, I guess I'm not a parent. No. But I think that my parents really wanted the best for me. And so they put that pressure. You know, my mom really believed in education for her girls, Mm -hmm. you know, because of sexism and general anyway um so she really believed in that and she really wanted me to finish all my degrees before i started my life when i thought when i was younger but um i think the pressure was there but i knew that you know if i really wanted to i could have just done whatever it is i wanted yeah yeah. So who decided that you're going to university, though? I mean, were you encouraged to go to university oh, I see. right through your whole life? Or? Okay, so in, in France, it's a, different, it's a different cultural context. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a university degree, you, you're not going to get a job, really. And I, I know that in New Zealand, it's different. Mm-hmm. So you have more of a choice. You know, you could actually choose to start work from, you know, at the age of 16. But in France, you don't really have that, that option. So for us, it was, of course, you're going to university. It's just a matter of what it is that you're going to do. I guess we had that here, though, that, you know... Uh, people would say, hey, if you get a university degree, then the options available to you are so That's much right. more. So I think as a parent, and I can see that you would be the parent that would do that so as your children were growing up, saying, hey, you know, if you do this and if you do that and we want to help you get there, you know, let's make sure that you study well. These are the decisions that your parents are making for you Good or bad decisions, though? That's, I suppose that's my point. Are they good or bad decisions for either, either party? Hmm. Well, there could be a lot of things playing in there. You know, your parents could try to... Um, make you live the life that they've always wanted you to yeah. live but there could also be a sense of you know th- i know that this is what you're capable of doing this is this you have so much potential and university is going to help you develop that potential and sometimes you know the intention is good but the way <laughs> we're doing it is not that good <laughs> do you agree with the uh, the principle that you are what you are i mean you are what your parents are you are no i disagree totally i or completely disagree you are what your environment is I disagree as well. If you want to change, everything is going to change. Everything is going to go your way. I actually made a commitment a few years ago. I did a a course with the Art of Living Foundation. And during the basic course, we all took that commitment. We were all university students, so pretty young. I was was maybe 22 at the time, 21. (laughs) And so we all made that commitment that we would always give 100%, no matter what the situation, no matter what the task whether that would mean, you know, doing writing that essay or doing the dishes. And I have, can you say that? I have stood by that decision yes, for, for all this time. And it completely like. changed my <laughs> Thank you. I could start speaking in French to you guys. But it completely changed my life because, you know, I'm, I'm giving you my 100% now. I'm completely focused on this, on this podcast, mm-hmm. radio show. I don't know why both. I say podcast. Anyway, both. Yeah. But I could kind of be on my phone and check my messages. Although you would give me the evil eye if I did that. Chuck you out. (laughs) (laughs) You wouldn't dare. (laughs) So is it nature or nurture, that sort of decision that you make? Nature first. Mm -hmm. But you have a choice. Especially now, you know, in this age that we live in, we have more of a choice than we've ever had before. You know, we, we could be anything that we wanted to be. And we have a choice. But, you know, once you make that choice, stay on the path and you'll get there. We're just about out of time, can you believe it? But um, we could probably talk some more about this, but I just want to maybe get you to talk to our listeners about some of the other things that you do. So you mentioned that uh, you do more than one modality. That's what you call them, don't you? You call them modalities. Modality, yes. Yes. Complementary and alternative modalities. What's a modality? Well, 
It's a way of saying that I don't practice traditional Western medicine and that it's still a valid modality to help you change you, your life. You practice Reiki. I do, I do. Are you trying to get me to talk about Reiki for a second? No, just, just want to tell us what else you do. So you, you, you do Reiki, what else? All right, so I started with Reiki, and now I am learning a modality called Theta Healing, which is all about mm -hmm. shifting your blocks, shifting your limiting beliefs that are stored in your subconscious mind, bring them up to your conscious mind and shift them. And um, so it's really powerful work. And I've also started to do some meditation and breath work, but the um, foundation of my work is um, self-love, of course. Of course. It comes before That's everything, the doesn't it? Beginning and the end of everything. <laughs> Once you have self love, you have everything. <laughs> so, if we want to come and see you to get some of that self love, how do we contact you? <laughs> to get a slice of it. <laughs> well, the easiest way is to get um, to go to my website, mydoninglight.com. My mm -hmm. my, I, I start to say it too fast and people don't understand me. Mydoninglight.com. And then all the information is there on the website for you to get to know me. And you've got a gig coming up. Yes, I do. I'm really excited. It's my first live event in Hawke's Bay. Can you believe it? And I am slightly terrified. But that's all right. It's called Reclaim, a self-love workshop. And it's going to be on October the 13th at the Wellness Sanctuary in Napier from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. So it's going to be a workshop um, designed for women. Mm -hmm. And we will all sit in a circle and we will do fun stuff. And I will make cake. Good on you. We it's love going cake. to be fantastic. If it's as good as your bread, it'll be yummy, yummy, yummy. It's going to be so good. What about a I'm workshop? I'm practicing from... a lot in the kitchen. At <laughs> what the about moment? a workshop for men? Do you do those? I could, but right now I have more interested interests uh, from women. All right. Remind our listeners again: we want to get hold of you. Are we able to ring you, or do you have to go through your website? Oh, this is just as my, as my website. Really, I'm not really good with my phone. You know, it's often on silence and it's just easier to send me an email. So go to my website, mydonnylight.com. It's the easiest. Good on you, <laughs> As always, my pleasure. You look after yourself. We'll talk to you same time, same place next time. Talk soon. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a volunteer-based community access station. For more information, go to www.radiokidnappers.org.nz. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this program available through funding the Access Internet Radio Project.